Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I'm your host for the Facts Roundtable podcast. I'm a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog. We're exploring how to build resilient children during the COVID-19 pandemic and beyond with FACTS Director of Behavioral Health, Emery Gewertz, who's going to guide us through learning about the traits resilient children share and how to teach resilience. Welcome, Emery, back to the show. As always, we're thrilled to have you. Thank you. As always, I'm glad to be here. I love that every time. (laughs) Parenting right now is probably one of the most challenging tasks many of us are facing during this pandemic, and the only thing that is consistent is inconsistency. So the last time we spoke, you had mentioned helping out our children develop resilience. So today we're going to talk about that resilience, and can you explain exactly what is resilience in a child? Sure. So resilience in its simplest terms is the ability to bounce back. When faced with adversity or a challenge, a resilient person can quickly bounce back, as in to say they can recover, they can move on. And more formally, the definition would be the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, in the face of trauma, in the face of tragedy, in the face of threats or significant sources of stress. So when I talk to kids about resilience, I like to have them imagine a bouncy ball, something that all kids play with. So I ask them, what happens when you bounce it? and they usually all answer, it bounces back. You could also envision resilience like a rubber band, which is another really great piece of imagery. So you can pull the rubber band really far apart. You can stress the rubber band out to its maximum. But afterwards, when you let go, when the situation releases, it springs back immediately into this shape. It bounces back. It goes back because it has that elasticity to go back to its original shape. And depending for parents out there how old your children are, You might remember something called silly bands. They were really popular when I was a kid, but they were rubber bands that were in the shape of fun things. So they were in the shape of guitars or animals or stars and hearts. Kids would wear them on their wrists and then, you know, at lunchtime or recess, we'd take them all off and instead of that circular rubber band around your wrist, it would spring right into the shape, that puppy or that cat or that elephant. And it was so cool to share all of those things that they were. So that's a really great imagery for kids too that you can pull apart that shape, that rubber band, but no matter what, it springs back into the shape. The silly band that was a dog would always return to being a dog, right? So when we have resilience, or when a child has resilience, the same is true for us. You might be pulled apart, you might be stressed or stretched out to your max, but if you have resilience, you're always gonna spring back to who and what you were and what you are. So children with resilience don't lose track of who they are when the storms of life roll by. They have a certain amount of mental toughness to withstand that stretching, and these children have a really strong sense of their own identity. Thank you for that really nice detailed explanation. So staying on resilience, and we know all children need resilience, but why do children with food allergies then specifically need to develop resilience? Fantastic. So yes, everyone, children and adults alike, need to develop resilience. 
But I don't need to say that children with food allergies might face more adversity than most. Children with food allergies need to learn responsibility at a young age. They might face bullying. They might feel left out at times. And they also face real anxieties and fears that other kids just don't. Just saying that to you sounds like a lot. So resilience is going to be their friend. Resilience won't ever take their problems away, but it'll help them stand firm through life. It'll help them be able to know how to manage themselves. It'll help them be able to pick the right friends and support system. It'll help them feel confident to say no when they need to. So resiliency is going to be something that a food allergy allergic child has to have, where I still, of course, recommend that everyone work to build it. But if you have a child with a food allergy, encouraging that boosting and building of resilience really young will be an asset to them later on. Well, it sounds like if you have any health condition or anything that's maybe a little different that's going to create a challenge, that resilience is what you need. Absolutely. All right. So now, can you address what resilience looks like in preschool age children, elementary, middle, high school, and college? So if you can go through all the different ages and stages. Sure. So it's pretty much going to look the same throughout a lifespan, but just like you said, the understanding is sort of going to differ, right? So a preschooler might have resilient characteristics but not know that they're resilient characteristics. A high schooler or young adult college-age student might now understand what resilience is and actively do things that will put them in the path to be able to bounce back, right? So if a child is exhibiting natural tendencies towards resilience, that is going to need to be cultivated. And, you know, if you have a, a child that is now in high school or late middle school and you aren't seeing these characteristics that I'm about to go over, we don't need to fear because they can be built, right? So it's about becoming an, becoming aware. Like I just said, resilient people share a lot of traits in common. So the first one that I want to go over is resilient people always have a strong support group. So that could be parents, good friends, relatives, teachers, or coaches. So for a preschooler, you might be, the parent might be that biggest, strongest support group, kindergarten, first grade, when friendships aren't as deep as they would be later. But When you're in middle school, high school, college, it could be a great coach or teacher or a good friend group that you really rely on and lean on. Your support group might change over time, but the point is it's always going to be strong. Resilient people know that someone's always in their corner. They always have someone that they feel they can trust and rely on because you can learn on people that support you and you can lean on people that support you. So whether or not a preschool kid knows that they have a support system Most likely they do, right? Now a middle school, high school, college age child or student might have to develop that support system on their own. Or in those middle school years, we all know that they're filled with tribulations that don't have anything to do with food allergies and trauma. They might, but just being a middle school student is hard too. Your your friends might be changing. So that strong support group might change over time or it might break and then you have to rebuild it over time. But a resilient person is always going to be willing to do that and they're always going to want to have that kind of thing near them. Another trait of resilient people is resilient kids don't have pity parties. Resilient middle schoolers don't have pity parties. They don't look down at themselves. They don't see themselves as victims. They prioritize their well-being. So instead of feeling sorry for themselves when something happens, a resilient person's going to bypass that whole feeling sorry for yourself thing. They're going to jump to what can I do? How can I move on from this? They're going to take care of themselves. Maybe they naturally take breaks by going on walks or talking to a friend or trying again. They might not have to pause and say, how can I go on from this? They just might naturally do. And for a student 
or child throughout the lifespan that you're trying to build resilience for, as a parent, you can guide them through that. If you see your kids starting to feel sorry for myself, like stuff like this always happens to me, you can be like, why don't you go take a walk? Get out that energy. So you can help them kind of develop those resilient traits that in some children are innate and inherent. And if your child does have those innate and inherent traits of skipping that sort of stage, then you're gonna to wanna to encourage that they continue to do that. Another trait that resilient people have in common is they don't define themselves by their issues, right? So this is something we as food allergy parents can fall trapped to or our children can fall trapped to, right? So you don't wanna define yourself by illness. You don't wanna define yourself by any chronic condition. You don't wanna define yourself as a parent, right? You don't wanna define yourself as somebody with food allergies. You're not gonna define yourself by your troubles and a resilient person won't do that. And it can go beyond food allergies. A middle school student who's relentlessly bullied will not define themselves or will not define their experience as a victim. An elementary student that has food allergies and maybe sits at that peanut-free, allergen-free table is not going to define themselves as the allergic kid. A high schooler who's not really doing well in math class will not define themselves as a failure, right? So instead, they're going to recognize their feelings, acknowledge the problems that they're facing, and trust that they have the ability to face their problems and believe they have the strength to maintain their balance, whether that's emotional, mental, whatever you have. So resilient people define themselves by a myriad of things, not just one thing. Not the, they won't define themselves by trauma or a challenge, not even for a short amount of time. They're going to define themselves as intelligent or hardworking or a good friend, right? And that's how we should define ourselves too. It should be the characteristics that make ourselves us, not the obstacles that life has thrown us. Another characteristic that everybody that has resilience is gonna have is flexibility and an understanding that life changes. So resilient people are really good at understanding this is what I can control, this is what I cannot control. And again, in a young child, this is something that really can be fostered. Sitting down and brainstorming with that pre-K elementary aged group. Can you control that situation? Somebody stole your pencil, right? Someone stole your really fancy rainbow eraser that your parents got you for your birthday. These are the kind of things that happen in elementary school. And they come home so upset. Talk to your child. Can they control that somebody else did that? What can they can control? They can control their emotions. So that's something that you really want to work through. And the more that you work through that kind of thing as they grow older into the middle school, high school, young adult age, where resilience is going to be mostly on them, you can ensure that they've cultivated that, right? That they're going to have flexibility. Things aren't always in their control, but what can they always can control? You can always control your attitude. You can always control your reaction but you can't control what happens. And some things, bad things happen. Sometimes good things happen. Sometimes surprising things happen. So what are we gonna control in that situation? Resilient people are flexible in that way. Another thing that all resilient people share in common um, is a positive mindset, their cognitive life. They choose the way they see it, just like we just previously talked about. They just, they choose the way they react. And they're always going to choose whether it's to see the silver lining, to look at the sunny side, whatever it is, they're not going to stay in that negative, gloomy mindset. And this isn't to say you can't have a negative thought. I'm not saying resilient people are never down on themselves, resilient people never have a bad thought. That's not what I'm saying. But resilient people will always flip it pretty immediately. Resilient people, even if they, they see the bad, they'll say, this is a quarter bad, but it's three quarters good. 
and they're not going to be afraid to look to that positive side. And if they do feel negative, they're not going to stay there long because resilience is about moving on and bouncing back. And then lastly, a good thing that all resilient children have in common is realistic expectations. A resilient child will not jump to an extreme. Now, parents have a hard time with this because sometimes we jump to the extreme. My kid cannot sleep at a friend's house. They might eat something with their allergen in it. For instance, I was literally never allowed to go to sleepovers and I was a really responsible, well-behaved kid. Of course, I'm not suggesting parents let them or don't let them. That's of course gonna be a choice. But for instance, I think my parents jumped to the extreme of what could, what could go wrong, right? And sometimes we do that, even not with things with food allergies. If I don't do this, the, the, I mean, the worst thing ever is going to happen. And you know, we don't want to jump to extremes, but resilient kids won't jump to extremes. They'll be a realistic. This could happen. This could happen. This is likelier to happen. And they're going to see possibilities that other people don't see rather than just jumping to the extreme conclusion. You have to look at all things that could happen. The extreme scenario could happen but resilient people will know it's not likely. Thank you, Emery. That was an extremely detailed and easy to understand definition of resilience for all those ages and stages. But now I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about myself and I'm thinking about other adults. So now as an adult, how do we know if we're resilient or not? And if we don't think we're resilient, how can we be resilient? Because if we're going to be helping our children and modeling, if you can give us some tips on this. Absolutely. So it's not a secret that kids are way better at adapting, developing new traits, developing new habits than adults that might have a fixed mindset are. But adults can change and adapt at any time. They just might need a little more encouraging and a little more effort into it. So to me, developing resilience in adult is there's one tip that I think would be best. And Hera Murano put it best, who wrote The Art of Resilience. At the heart of resilience is a belief in oneself, yet also a belief in something larger than oneself. So do you believe in yourself? That's the question you need to ask. And if you don't, that's what you're going to need to work on first to develop that resilience. Think back to your last challenge, whether it was a loss of a job, a divorce, your kid had an allergic reaction, you had a dispute with a friend, whatever it was. What was your reaction? Did you problem solve? Were you slow to anger? Did you practice self-care? Did you say negative things about yourself? If you did the first half of what I said, it could sound like resilience if you problem solved, if you were slow to anger. Now, if you were on the flip side, if you had those negative thoughts, if you didn't practice self-care, you might be lacking a little bit of resilience. But like I had said earlier, we can boost resilience, we can build resilience. And we're gonna begin by knowing your value and remembering that you have value no matter who you are. So for adults, if the heart of resilience is the belief in oneself, like I just stated, the next time you have a negative thought, try flipping it. So if a thought comes to your mind when you're doing something, ugh, I can never do anything right, pause and try replacing it. That didn't go the way I planned, but I'm capable of doing many things well. It's very easy to flip our thoughts if we pause and think about them. Developing a positive mindset is going to be critical. And if we become a positive thinker, it'll be easier for our kids to become one too because they're going to hear us pausing and spinning it to the positive. I mean, that's going to be really important for the development of younger children. Sounds like the pause is really key here. Absolutely. So now can you share some ideas that parents can use to teach resilience to their children? 
Absolutely. So something that we talked a lot about in past podcasts is self-care. And that's a big one. So when your children are young, you can do self you can do self-care with them as a family. And if you do that, once they're in middle school or they're a teen, they will adopt this on their own. So teach them about mental breaks, teach them about pauses, incorporate something they love into each day. And then when they grow older, encourage them to incorporate something they love into each day. And if you don't know what you love or they don't know what they love, try new things with them. Try new things for yourself until you find something that's going to put a smile on your face. So self-care is an act of resilience because you're putting yourself first. You're perhaps emotionally regulating yourself. If you're sad or angry, you know, maybe you're doing yoga or taking a walk and you're boosting, you know, your energy. Another thing that you could help teach your children is say a mantra with them on the car ride to school. So then you're doing it with them in the hopes that, again, later they develop that themselves. Maybe your mantra is, today I will try my best. Or, this school is a better place because I go to it. Or, I will make a difference today. I will be kind to someone today. Whatever you and your child think you need to get through the day can be your mantra and make it a fun thing to do before they step out of the car, right? And they're going in with that mindset. No matter if they were sluggish or they're sleepy or they're worried about their tests, their mantra is giving them a direction for the day. That's not about academics. It's not about defining themselves by something that they do, but it's helping them understand who they are. You might remember that I said earlier that resilient kids know their identity. But to know their identity, we have to help them believe in that identity, develop that identity, and understand that you can have a strong sense of self. And then my last tip for parents to teach resilient to their children and encourage the building and boosting of resilience is put little notes in their lunch boxes. My mom, without realizing it, helped me build resilience by putting encouraging notes in my lunchbox every day that I can remember from kindergarten to eighth grade. She put notes in like, smile today, or I love you. She wrote, you can do anything. And sometimes she even threw in little jokes, right? But what she was doing in the end was helping me develop a, a positive self-concept, a positive way about how I viewed myself. Um, she reminded me that I was loved every day by the fact that somebody cared enough to write a note in my lunchbox. And through that, it aided me in becoming resilient. So even small things like that really help. So that are my three tips for parents that they can involve their children in and help them along with. Well, thank you. In there, you gave us actually a lot of powerful examples. And so based on that, are there any specific words or language you think we should be using? Or do you have an, an extra example you want to share? Positive language always. Flip the script for your child if they need it. So something that they can do if they come home from, you know, if they come home from school and they don't have a grade that you approve of on a test, right? And they say something like, I'm the worst at math. I'm never going to get it. You know what, honey? You, you really tried. You will get it eventually. Keep trying. Or you're so good at so many things, I know that you can keep trying on this. So our reactions are going to be critical and key. Remember, we want to develop our children's sense of self and identity in a positive way. We can also develop their identity in a negative way. So if we say something like, yeah, you need to do better, this really isn't great, we're encouraging the concept that they already believe themselves that they're, not, they're bad at math or they're a failure or they are a disappointment. We help them develop a positive self-concept or negative self-concept, even in things as small as that. So affirm their positive traits about themselves rather than focusing on their negative traits. And 
surely they'll develop, they'll try. You'll probably see that test score that you as a parent would prefer, or you'll see them be kind to others, which of course is always going to be more important than any grade they can bring home. Well, thank you. So I understand that you created a resilience kit for the FACT Behavioral Health Resource Center. So can you give us some more details about this kit and when will it be live on the website? Absolutely. So stay tuned. It'll be available on the Behavioral Health Resource Center page on our website. And it's an inclusive essential kit for building resilience for kids pre-K to six with food allergies. It's a printable, buildable kit. So there'll be resources that you can print off, cut up, I'm suggesting that everyone grab a shoebox or a box and sit and decorate it with your kid. I'm a big fan of making abstract concepts touchable, tangible, right? So resilience can be abstract in a sense. How do you build resilience? You can't touch resilience. You can't see resilience. But if you can build something um, that can show or represent resilience, I think the concept becomes a lot clearer to younger kids. So the idea of this box is There's going to be worksheets that are going to address goal setting. Resilient people have a good focus, know where they're going. Sheets that can address the worst that can happen and how they can overcome hard situations. It'll come with affirmations that you can cut up and paste on bathroom mirrors or put in lunchboxes or put on their door frames. And the idea is, too, if a kid's having a hard day, you can go grab your resilient kit and and file through it and see what you need to overcome the situation. And over time, maybe they'll just be able to do these things on their own, right? But in the meantime, the resilient kit is something that they can touch, something they can go to, and a personal resource that they can have in their room, their closet, their bedside table, and know, I'm working on building my resilience, or let me see what affirmation I can look out today, and it'll become part of their routine. This kit sounds like a lot of fun. I actually want to make one for myself. I think you should. Absolutely. (laughs) Grownups can do this too, right? 100% Caroline. (laughs) Nice. Now, is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners today? Absolutely. I just want to drive home that the biggest influence to resilience is our thought life, that cognitive life. And it's not too late to change the story that you tell about yourself. So if you've always found that you or your child has been a negative person or just had those negative mindsets, it's not too late to rewrite the way you think about yourself or rewrite the way you feel about yourself. So try today, start today, just by saying something like, I am a kind person, whether it's out loud or in your head, and let's all change that self-concept of ourselves together. We're all worth something and we all have value. Excellent. Thank you. Well, this was a really important conversation today about resilience. I think this is one of the biggest tools in our toolbox that we're going to need to get through this pandemic and and beyond once this is over too. It's It's a lifelong skill. So thank you for sharing your knowledge and your energy and your passion. I always love sitting down and talking to you. And until we see you again, have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you all for listening to Facts Roundtable podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, share and review our podcast and be sure to connect with us on social media. You can find us on Apple Podcast, iTunes, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.